The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletic's Aston Villa writer, it's Greg Evans. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic UK for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full prices for subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. And Greg, if people do take advantage of, the, of this discount, they can go on and read your piece that you've done on Ross Barkley this morning. It's very early, so I've not read it myself. Do you just want to delve into it a little bit and, and tell us a bit about that piece? Yeah, I'm getting used to these early starts. I don't know about you, but um, sl- no, slowly never, getting back. Never get used to it. <laughs> Even though my entire body's aching from for the first game of football for four months last night. But um, oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always going to be a hard one, wasn't it? I don't think I've seen a more dejected set of faces after the hour was up. But um, anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll move on. Talking about dejected people. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ross Barkley. It hasn't quite worked for him at Villa, has it? Really, and. Um, it was my colleague Simon Johnson who uh, covers Chelsea, who put the story together, basically just saying that Chelsea are going to, you know, struggle to know what to do with Ross Barkley in the summer because he moved. The, the reason Chelsea moved him on, for, you know, for the for the season on loan was because they hoped that he would either return back to Chelsea, ready to to feature in the first team, um, because he wasn't quite at it in in, in previous seasons gone by, or um, you know, he he, he was. He had become that thirty-five million pound player again that that they value him at, and that there would be another club, Villa or somebody else, um, interested in buying him. But it seems that none of those are going to work at the moment because Villa will not be paying that type of money for him, um, given you know the output that he's put in this season for them. Um, there won't be many other clubs interested in him. I wouldn't have thought at that price. Uh, and he certainly won't fit into the Chelsea first team at the moment. So it's a big final ten games for him. You know, he really does need to almost get his act together and and um, and start performing again because it, it feels like he's wasting his talent. Yeah, I mean, it's the fourth season in a row, isn't it, that Chelsea have either sold or, or given Villa a player on loan. There's been varying degrees of success. Obviously, we got John Terry from Chelsea at the end of his contract, which was, was a success, I would say. Tammy Abraham on loan was absolutely brilliant for, for Villa in terms of being a goal scorer. We probably won't mention Danny Drinkwater at all. There is still time for Ross Barkley to have a good end to the season and either put himself in the shot window or give Villa an actual decision to make. What, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he's going to get back in the team now or do you think Villa are just going to say, well, he ain't going to be here next season now? So so what's the point? Because me and you have, have probably, we've championed him playing over the last month or so when he hasn't been in the team, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm still waiting for that blockbuster performance from him. You know, we, we've seen it at the start of the season when he came in. Thought he was very impressive then. Um, I think that he will. I think that, that that with Jack Grealish coming back, you know, and he will be playing against Fulham. Um, I think Ross Barkley plays better when Jack Grealish plays. They seem to have a decent on-field connection, don't they all? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, they certainly do. But th- th- there's definitely something unique and, and and different there with with Barkley and Grealish together. Um, you know, the way they link up. So Matt, possibly that's a that's an option. Barkley back in at number ten, Grealish back out on the on the wing, and then seeing if the two can connect uh, well again. But 
it's, it's just running out of time, isn't it? And it's, I think it's it's actually becoming difficult for Dean Smith to play him because he's he's gone from a player that not just um, was struggling for match fitness, um, he's actually become a bit of a liability for Villa because he's giving away the ball in dangerous positions that are then giving the opposition chances to go and score. And it's just not working for him. Yeah, it looks like he's playing with fear. And I've, I've said this at, um, yeah, for a few weeks now. And I, I'm almost starting to feel a little bit sorry for him because we know how good he can be. Yeah, I mean, I've followed his career relatively closely over the years. Obviously, closer now he's playing at, at Villa Park. I don't remember him. He's had spells where he's not been great. But I don't remember him ever having a spell where he seems this low and his body language just looks low on confidence throughout the entire time he's on the football pitch. I don't recall ever seeing him with this kind of, not languid, I don't know whether language is the right word, but do you know what I mean? He just looks a bit dejected with himself. Yeah, you know, in, in the article that we've written today, he some of the statistics, look, you, you can look at statistics two ways, can't you? I mean, I think some of some Villa supporters... Uh, claims are that he's a little bit lazy, that he doesn't work hard enough, that he doesn't press hard enough. Um, he's actually trying to press. It's just his, his um, amount of successful pressures are, are not quite as high as the other players. Um, and then you look at the, you know his, his tackle rate, his true tackle rate, those are the lowest in the division in terms of over players who have played over 900 minutes. Um, you know, it doesn't make many interceptions. So he's not really doing much defensively for the team, which then means that he has to go and score goals or create goals. And unfortunately, he's not doing that. It just feels like it feels like he can't get any momentum at the moment. Um, he, as I say, started the season really well, got his injury, was knocked back a little bit. Then when he came back into the team, he kept getting taken off, didn't he? And it was almost like he just couldn't complete 90 minutes. And you just thought, OK, you know, he's, he's going to get there eventually. He just needs these run of the games. And then it got to that stage where Dean Smith just thought, well, I can't keep picking this player because he's not doing it for me. So he just hasn't had that, you know, he hasn't had that consistency that he wanted to, that, that, he, that he so desperately wanted. No, and Dean Smith comes across to me like a, a real father figure. It's a bit like a dad breaking a promise to you a little bit because he kind of promised that he'd get Ross Barkley into the England squad for the, the Euros, but I mean, that isn't going to happen at all. I mean, you, you can't put the blame on, on Dean Smith, but do you know what I mean? It feels a little bit low when your dad says he's going to take you somewhere and then he, he doesn't take you there. No, totally. I mean, I mean, look, Dean Smith's um, message was, I'll give you the amount of minutes and you go and get yourself into the Euros. Okay. And, and I think to be fair, I think to be fair, he's giving a fair amount of minutes. There will be games where Barkley will, you know, will be frustrated to have come off a little bit early. We've seen it the way you know, he booted the water bottle and... Um, Clearly looks frustrated when he was coming off a lot um, in a row. But I think on the whole, he's been given a fair amount of minutes and, um, you know, it should have been down to him to go and do something in those minutes. Then. Well, we'll see what happens at the weekend, see whether he gets himself on the pitch at any point. Someone who hasn't been on the pitch for the last month or so, Greg, is Jack Grealish. And I think everyone will agree it's the best news of 2021 so far that, that he's coming back and will play against Fulham on Super Sunday of uh, 4.30. I mean, you'll be going to the game, won't you? I bet you'll be going there now thinking Villa, Villa will win, whereas before you probably weren't thinking that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the game. I, I've missed the last couple. Um, I missed the Tottenham game because I was ill. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back to Villa Parker. I always fancy Villa whenever Jack Grealish is playing. I, I had a, with, with the international break, you know, just being on, I, I've had a bit of time to, to look through some of the games and analyse them a little bit deeper. And 
you know, Villa are a complete, we know this anyway, but Villa are a completely different side when Jack Grealish plays. I mean, those those nice little intricate moves that that he was linking up well with Barkley and Traore and McGinn and Watkins. We just haven't seen that in the last six or seven weeks without him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get him back. I think he's been training all week now, um, trained last week, just, uh, you know, just running and, and building up his fitness. He's a very fit lad. So, you know, even if he misses a few weeks of action, He's not going to really feel that drop off too much, um, and yeah, he'll be he'll be looking to to get back with a bang because there's no more England fixtures now, and and he knows that with so many you know England players in form as well, he needs to finish the season strongly to make sure that he gets in the starting lineup for the Euros. Yeah, I think we can all agree that he's he's probably going to go to, to the Euros. I actually did a little bit of maths, looked at the the England players every day, and I actually think there's only one space up for grabs in the in the squad at the moment. I think there's 22 players that will definitely go to the Euros. And then depending on, on what system Southgate picks, the, the 23rd could be a, a defender. It could be another another right back. So we'll see what happens. But I think Jack, we can all agree, is definitely going to the Euros. But like you say, you want him to be going there on good form. You want him to end the season well, Villa to end the season well. And Jack Grealish is going to the Euros full of life in the summer. There's so many options up front, isn't there, in the wide positions, in the number 10 positions. Um, I, think, I think guaranteed that Harry Kane's going to start most of the minutes. So... Probably only need three strikers, but it's 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 that that's you know that support act alongside him the two whether it's going to be Sterling, Grealish, Sancho, Foden, um, Rashford, those are the players that Grealish is is competing with now, um, and he needs to be top of that pile to make sure that he gets in. Yeah, because Mount's kind of going to play as the most advanced central midfielder. You would think. I think Mount's an excellent player. I think some of the criticism he got earlier on in the season was, was was ridiculous. So he's definitely going to play. So he is up against players that have been playing Champions League football, isn't he? He's got a, a big task, to be fair, to get into that side. But you wouldn't bet against by the time we get into the, to the knockout stages that he has worked his way into that first eleven with some good cameos off the bench, if that's what happens. Possibly. I mean, I, I think, you know, we both agree we'd like to see him start, wouldn't we? I, I think we also... I think he's in England's best eleven. Yeah, and, and sure. I think, you know, this isn't just us with, you know, Villa hat on. It's the fact that I think we genuinely both believe that he's the best player for that position. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see him start. I think England have got the best chance if he starts. <clears throat> um but yeah, it, it just depends what obviously you know, Gareth Southgate wants to do. He's very favourable towards towards um, Sterling, isn't it? Um, you know, what what happens when Marcus Rashford comes back? Is it is it a Rashford Kane Sterling front three against the the lesser lights of the the group potentially? Well, we'll, we'll have to see. But it's look, you know, it's it's all in Grealish's own hands. I think if he can play well for the, the remainder of this season, he'll be firmly in the thoughts of for the starting eleven. Yeah, lesser lights. That's not a very nice way to talk about John McGinn's Scotland there. Greg Evans and some of our, our Scottish yeah. subscribers. I'm, I'm keeping the podcast a bit a bit fluid this week. We have got some, some questions again. So I'm going to just come to this one from Michael Keenan now. He says, what is yours and Greg's gut feeling on whether we will keep Jack this summer? Pains me to say it, but I think it's unlikely. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think we should probably start by saying... <laughs> We spent the entire of this time last year saying that he was he was almost certainly going to leave Villa in the summer, and then he surprised us all and ended up keeping himself at Villa and, and signing a new contract. So I'm very wary about making predictions this summer. So I'm going to come to you and get a prediction off you instead, Greg, so you can get all the stick on social media. Honestly, do you know what? I'm I'm at the stage where I'm, I'm feeling similar to you, Dan. I mean, the fact that we've got to the 31st of March and and this is the first time this question's come up is is quite pleasing actually because we we spent way too long last season. Um, talking about it now I think if we just 
go back over some old ground very briefly. Jack Grealish was very close to leaving last year. Let, let's not get that twisted. You know, the fact, I mean, if ever there was evidence of this, um, you know, go and watch his interview the day after he, he signed his contract. And he said, you know, admittedly, just a few days ago, this was Jack Grealish's words, just a few days ago, I didn't know where I'll be starting the season. So, you know, that shows how close he was to potentially leaving. Um, this season, slightly different. I think he's going to cost more money. Um, it's the question is which club can afford him. Um, but I still think if a club comes in for big money, then Jack Grealish will want to leave. You know, he, he's very ambitious. He wants to be playing for the best clubs, for the best club in the country. Yes, he loves Aston Villa. We all know this. But if a Manchester City comes in with a £100 million bid and, and Villa are willing to accept it, Jack Grealish will go and he'll be happy to go. So that's the situation we're in. But for now, you know, he signed a five-year contract last year. Villa are in a very good position. Um, you know, he's very well paid. He's enjoying his football at Villa. Um, he wants to see this club progress. So if he does stay for another season, which I think, you know, it probably looks more likely than not, doesn't it? This yeah, season, I definitely. think he's not going anywhere. Um, then, you know, let's, let's look forward to it enjoy next season with him. Do you think what he does in the Euros impacts things in anyway that's a bit of a stupid question because of course it does if he's, if he's brilliant at the Euros then, then everyone's going to be looking at him but everyone should know by now what kind of player he is and how good he is really yeah I think I think the only per, the only um, the only team that benefits from him performing really well in the Euros is Villa you know that the, every every club that is interested in, in Jack Grealish would probably I don't know. You can look at it in two different ways, can't you? If, if he goes and performs really well in the Euros, his value skyrockets. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he's, he's done it then on the real biggest stage that he could possibly ever do it at. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that it would just mean that his value goes higher. And for Villa, that's a great position to be in because it means that, that it strengthens their bargaining power. They can ask for more money for him. Um, oh, you know, they won't want to sell him anyway. But if, if a club is coming in with a serious bid, you know, if you're looking at Manchester City and they come in with, say, a hundred million pound bid, then then Villa might might have the, you know, the freedom to to ask for even more. I mean, after spending the entire of the last season thinking he was going to go this season, I don't think he's going to go at all, which probably means he is going to go, because I tend to think <laughs> the, op the opposite seems to happen. But it's just good to have him back on, on Sunday, isn't it? Because it, it's been a long month or so without him. I understand he was always going to be out for a month with his injury. It has felt like a long time since we saw him play. And as a consequence, it feels like a long time since we've seen Villa play well. I think Villa have only scored three goals, you know, over the seven games that he's missed. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I think so three gets... It might even be two. It's two yeah, or three. three goals, one win. You know, Ollie Watkins hasn't scored a goal and, and um, they, they were linking up really well before. OK, the defences stay quite tight for the majority of those games, which is a really positive sign. But I think just more than anything, it just shows that Villa need to move into the next market and make sure that they're not just relying on one attacking player next season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I've got it in front of me, but someone in our, in our questions did ask about Villa making a signing like, like James Madison to like, try and, and keep Grealish at the club. I mean, I don't for one second think Villa have got the pulling power at the moment to bring James Madison to the football club. Will they want to go and make a big statement signing to, to keep Jack there? Uh, yes, like they did last season, you know, the fact that they managed to get Ross Barkley, that was a statement signing. If you think back to the um, the sentiment around when 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 Barkley came in, it was a very exciting time, wasn't it? And, you know, for a club just surviving for the second, uh, for the second season in the Premier League, to go and get somebody like Ross Barkley in from Chelsea, I think that was a real marquee signing. Um, and that helped Grealish. Uh, you know, stay a little bit more happy, a little bit more confident about the way forward. And in the conversation that Grealish had with the owners, you know, they promised that they would be investing heavily in the future. They will be looking at bigger and better players. Um, and that's what they'll be doing this summer. Yeah. Whether they go and get one marquee signing, you know, one real standout blockbuster signing, you know, remains to be seen. But I think they'll be looking at three or four players who can come in and definitely move straight into that starting lineup. I think probably what's happened in the spell since Grealish has been out as well is he's probably shown the Villa hierarchy that they do need to spend in the forward positions, don't they? The defence has, has been brilliant all season, but but with no Jack, nobody's really stood up and made themselves count, have they, in, in that time since he's been absent? That's the point I'm trying to make, Dan. You know, they, they, they can't rely on just one attacker. You know, again, um, if they want to progress. This season that has been a success. You know, we've... Um, we ran a fan survey on The Athletic over the, the last couple of weeks and there were thousands and thousands of replies and um, Aston Villa Aston Villa were the fourth, uh, they, they came fourth in the table in terms of um, how happy supporters are with the season so far. So, you know, I mean, that, that, shows, that shows a lot. And um, there was also one of the questions was how well have Villa spent over the last 12 months? And, and Villa were actually the highest... Um, in in the entire division, you know, above. Yeah, I don't think anyone could answer anything different to that. I think the yeah, buy has been yeah. exceptional. But I mean, it just you know it just shows that although it's been, there's been a dip in form in, in recent weeks, it really has been a positive season, and and, and there's so much to to shout about and enjoy. Um, the pressure will be on them a little bit next season, I think, because they do need to go into the market and get better players, and then you know, if Villa do finish eighth, ninth, or tenth, or whatever this season they'll be expected to go better next year and that's going to be a real tough ask. Yeah, talking of the, of the front three and staying with, with that segment, K2 Villa, who always listens to our podcast and, and interacts with them, so thanks very much to, to him for doing that, says, do you think we could see a front three of Grealish, Watkins and Wesley before the end of the season? I think this could be our best front line. I'd like to see that. Yeah, that that looks that sounds quite interesting to me. Um, I think Wesley will... That'd be Watkins on the right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Yeah, um, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I don't see why not. I think it would be. I think it would be interesting to see. Um, 
I know that I know that Smith likes the way that Watkins sets the tone. He likes him playing centre forward. He wouldn't have played him for every minute of every game if not. You know, admittedly, he hasn't got many options in return, but clearly he likes what Watkins is doing for him. Um, but I certainly think there is uh, an opportunity to play Wesley alongside him or or in a front three. You know, as the as the focal point with Watkins maybe on the right, Greece on the left. That that sounds quite exciting to me. I'd like to see it. Um, I'd also like to see Watkins and and Wesley as a two potentially at one point. With, yeah, Jack as a ten. I like a yeah, diamond. Yeah, Give me a yeah, diamond. Yeah, I think think that would be interesting. You know. Tottenham tried it in, in adversity, didn't they, last week with Vinicius and, and Kane up front and, and it worked for them. They went and beat Villa. Both of them scored. Um, it's just just another option. I think that Wesley's going to need a little bit of time. Obviously, you know, he played last Friday in a in a friendly game and uh, I think he'll be on the bench against Fulham. You think? Potentially might get a chance to come on. But Potentially, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see why After not. Forty-five been... minutes, fifteen months out. Surely not. Well, he, he's been—they've been building up his recovery for a very long time now. So, um, you know, there's no harm in him coming and sitting on the bench. So, uh, you know, with, with, with the amount of subs that Villa have got, so it'd be interesting to see. But you know, they're, they're going to—it's obvious they're going to have to take him slowly. They're not going to start him. Um, he's going to have to be slowly integrated back into games. You know, he might play another under twenty-three game as well to get potentially a full ninety minutes under his belt. Yeah, um, I would think so. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's positive signs for him now. Um, let's hope we can we can see him before the end of the season. I spoke to someone at the club a few weeks ago and they said his injury was absolutely horrific and that the work that's had to go in to, to getting him back from him and, and the club has been absolutely unbelievable. One of the worst injuries of that type that you can get. So it will be good to have him back and it will be good to have that, that other option, won't it, Greg? Because that's what Villa have been lacking over recent weeks in particular. They've just been lacking something off the, off the bench to give the team a spring. Yeah, I think Villa have only scored, I think, one goal and one assist from substitutes this season. And, you know, we kind of know who's going to come on, don't we? It's either going to be um, El Ghazi or Trezeguet for one of the other wingers, uh, Jacob Ramsey or Keenan Davis. You know, we know it's those four players. And um, as, 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 as warming as it is to see academy graduates like Davis and, and Ramsey coming on and being used in the first team, that um, the four names that I've mentioned haven't really done much from the bench. So Villa will be looking at that next season, hoping that they've got just a little bit stronger squad, you know, a little bit more depth in there and, and some more options to turn to. It's an unbelievable quiz question that is already. We'll have to get Dom Lerner on the podcast, our quiz champion, instead of me, because I couldn't tell you who that goal and assist was off the bench. Do you know who it was? <laughs> I don't, unfortunately. Oh, I'm just thinking yeah. I should know. Um, I thought, as you said, that you would know yeah, who it was. Yeah, yeah, I should have known because I wrote, wrote about it recently, but um, very bad from the. <laughs> no, I haven't got a clue either, to be fair. Let's I'm get Dom Lerner on. He'll definitely yeah. know. <laughs> I, pr- I pride myself on my knowledge and I've let myself down as well. I haven't got a clue. I've, I've been rattled by that quiz the athletic did a, a few weeks ago. I've not been the same since, since coming sixth or seventh, I think I came out of out 75. It's rattled me that there's, there's people out there who are more sad than me. And I don't think I didn't notice the other way that you giving me a bit of abuse on a, on social media for basically being a geek. I saw You that. are a geek. No, obviously, obviously, I'm not in the I'm not in the top five geeks because the people that are came ahead of me in that quiz that we did we did the other week. You're geeky in a different way. Uh, okay, that's first. That's, I'm not sure that's fair. Merchandise geek. Merchandise geek. I'll tell you what. Again, there's far worse people out there than, than me with the villa shirts and whatnot. Let's stay on the on the squad depth theme because the Welsh Brummy has asked: Will Tom Heaton be happy as being a number two? Or will he look to move in the summer? If so, will Jed Steer step up? 
to answer the question, no, he's, he's not happy being the number two. He wants to be playing. Um, Which you'd expect. Yeah, look, you know, you know, I say every goal he wants to be playing. <laughs> that's that's incorrect because there's some that, that are happy to be a, a backup goalkeeper. But Tom Stuart Heaton, Tyler never wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think Scott Carson's particularly interested in recent years either. But um, no, Tom Heaton certainly wants to play and, and it will feel probably like a little bit of a missed opportunity for him this season because like with Pickford's injury, um, of late, you know, if if he was in, if he was playing regular, he might have been the man that was called up and, and played for England at, at, in some of these games, and then potentially even given Gareth Southgate a selection headache going into the Euros. So, um, you know, been a disappointing what fifteen months for for Heaton. Majority of that been out injured. Um, such a lovely guy, you know, and a very good goalkeeper. So, I, I, I you know, personally hope he, he gets sorted whether he moves on this season or, um, you know, decides that he's happy to stay as number two, I, I think he'll want to move. Um, I'm not sure what his contract situation is. I think there's, um, I think potentially might be expiring at the end of this season. I'll have to check that out, but uh, it might be something. Might be a get out. Yeah. It might be something to do with the, uh, the amount of appearances that he has or hasn't made. Um, I'll, I'll check that out and update as and when I can, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll be looking to to probably go, and and then it's down to Villa to to keep that goalkeeping department strong. Jed Steer, we know, has, has come in and done well at times, um, but I think that they'll probably want another senior goalkeeper in there to to start, uh, you know, to keep competition really strong. It's difficult, isn't it? Because Villa were in a position, I think, where they absolutely had to buy another goalkeeper. They couldn't take any risks after what had happened the this, this season before. And he had had a really bad injury as well. So you never know how he's going to react to that. He's had a few injuries in the past and come out of it well and, and still been a top goalkeeper. But as you get older, recovery from injuries, I imagine, is worse. For him, he's at an age where he probably... It's coming to the end of his career. You either decide that you're happy to be a backup and play at a top club, like some of the goalkeepers we've mentioned. Although I don't think I think comparing him to Scott Carson would be a little bit harsh. Or you decide you want you want to play. But I'm looking at it and thinking, and we we spoke about this off camera. Not sure at the moment who who needs a goalkeeper. Certainly in the in the Premier League, I, I can't think of anyone unless a newly promoted side came up and, and wanted some experience, like Villa did when they bought Heaton in. Or did, would he drop down to the Championship? Do you think he? Feels a bit too good to the championship for me. Yeah, he does feel too good for the championship. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, you know, he might get a, he might get a move. <sighs> there are other moves, aren't they? He might get a move north of the border potentially. Um, you know, there might be a there might be a club abroad that wants to to take him, and 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 he might fancy that for the for the latter stages of his career. But he feels very much like an English Premier League goalkeeper, doesn't he? He feels like somebody who is very much at home in the Premier League, deserves to be playing in the Premier League. Um, as we said, we you know can't really think of a team that that desperately needs a goalkeeper or or one that he would come in and fit into um straight away. But look, there might be some manoeuvring might there in in the summer, you know potentially Sam Johnson might be might be attracting some interest at West Brom and that might open up an opportunity there. But again, where would he go? Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, but the, when you get into the England squad, you suddenly become hot property, don't you? And then, you know, you, you look at Sam Johnson, for example, he's had a decent season at West Brom. Does he want to be going down into the Championship and playing there? And, you know, look at Butland, he went down there and his career sort of nosedived. The same might be for Ramsdale at Sheffield United. Look, there are so many different options, aren't there? It's tough for a goalkeeper because there are only 20 goalkeepers needed in the Premier League. And, 
you know, 10, 11, 12 of them quickly get taken up by very, very good experienced goalkeepers. Um, so there's only potentially, you know, one or two available every year and there just isn't one at the moment. So um, it might be a, another frustrating summer for Heaton. One team that I can think of in the Premier League that just personal opinion, I would say, need a goalkeeper would be Southampton. Yeah, because they've mixed it up a lot, haven't they? They've, they've swapped between Forster yeah. and McCarthy and... Is Heaton better than any of them? You know, would he go in straight there and 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 and, and play the way that Ralph Hausenhutel wants to play? You know, he's he's been very used to playing in a Burnley type way, hasn't he? You know, I know Neil Cutler worked heavily with him and, and tried to get him um, playing in a way that Dean Smith wanted him to play, but playing out from the back. And um, you know, he certainly improved on that during his time at Villa, but. Southampton also want to play a certain way as well, don't they, sir? Yeah. I'm not sure whether he would be the perfect fit. It could be completely off the mark here, but the old the goalkeeping coach that that, they, that he worked with at England, I'm pretty sure he's at, he's at Southampton as well. Might, might be something in that. I mean, at this point, we're just creating rumours, which is not what the Athletic do at all. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's move on to, to something else. No, nah. Nothing in this at the moment. So uh, we'll, we'll look out for those fan sites that say a uh, journalist predicts yeah. um, Eaton to Southampton. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move on. Let's talk about something that we know that is concrete, and that's that Mila Yedinak, someone we've spoken to on this podcast before, is back at the club. Hopefully, you know this, Greg, but do you want to just explain a little bit about his role? Uh, yeah, good news for Yedinak coming back. He's he's a friend of the athletics, isn't he? You know, we've done a we've done a fair few interviews with him over over the years, and um, great guy. You know, a, a really good character and somebody who is been working part-time at Villa as well in, in recent months. I think he was doing um, bits with the, with the lower age kids um, who, who really talked to him as well. So he's, his new role is head of emerging loans. So is it, I'm presuming emerging loan is 
youngsters, low like say, let's say Villa sent off a, a squad player, say Lansbury was okay, let's say Connor, he's on loan at the moment. That'd be nothing to do with Yednak because it's not an emerging loan. No, sorry, Yednak's role is loan player development coach, and, and it's um, uh, Adam Henshaw who, who's coming from from Doncaster Rovers as head of emerging loans and talent. So, um, yeah, you know, the two of them will be working quite closely together. I, I would have thought, and it's a it's a good move up for Yednak because I can certainly see him working his way up. You know, not necessarily at Villa, but. Um, you know, a club, a, a, a high-profile club, and you could see him becoming an assistant and then a manager in the future. I know he certainly wants to do that. He's been doing his, you know, some of his coaching badges and stuff. So, um, yeah, exciting times. You know, a really good guy, a good character, and and someone that Villa will benefit from having around. You know, his job will be to just watch some of the younger players developing and you know, building relationships with the with the clubs that that they move out on loan to. I've got to say, I love it when ex-players come back and, and do various roles and fulfil various roles for, for their old club. And Yednak's an, an impressive guy, I mean, from, from when we spoke to him. I think it's the only time I've been a little bit nervous. Not that he's like an intimidating, horrible guy, but I just, I like, you want to be good. I wanted to be good for him. That, that was the thing. Like, yeah, he's, he's a certain type of character, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to phrase your questions in a certain way to Yedinak. I learned that from the very first time I interviewed him. He, he doesn't take any, doesn't answer any stupid questions or he uh, quickly shuts you down if you if you ask him just, a, um, you know, a, 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 if you don't ask him an open-ended question. So, yeah, a good guy, but it's also a very serious character as well. And yeah, something, something you just mentioned there, Dan, I think what Villa are doing really well at the moment is they're opening up opportunities for former players and, and, and people who have, um, you know, close links to the club. I, th- I think that's really promising because um, without sounding like I'm uh, slating the opposition too much, there are a lot of former players that would like to do things at Birmingham City but can't get in. So, um, you know, credit to Villa. You've got the likes of Liam Ridgewell, who was working with the under-14s last season, um, you know, getting used to coaching. In, in I, his... I didn't know that, at Villa. Yeah, yeah, he'd been working um, as an assistant there last sure, season. Should have been let back on the premises after playing for West Brom and Birmingham <laughs> City, to be honest. <laughs> well, he's got close links there, and he came through that. He came through that academy as well, didn't he? So he's still a success story. Um, yeah, Dinak, as you say, Mark Delaney and, and George Boatang looking after the, the under twenty three. So it's good. It's good to see that that some of the former players are getting looked after by the club as well, and, and given the opportunity to thrive. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good to see. And you said that Yedinak doesn't like silly questions. Obviously, we, we survived in our podcast with him without doing that. We haven't got a silly question here from Jack Miller and says, in a Villa version of the Hunger Games, who who wins and who is first to come out? I mean, someone's going to need to explain to me what the Hunger Games is. I, know oh, I don't know what the Hunger Games are, so we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got to pass we've, on that one. Got, I guess it will be like a last man standing kind of thing. So if everyone at Villa was to have a fight, it would be the last man standing. That's what I'm presuming. I mean, it might be nothing to do with that. The Hunger Games might be about Let's going out for a meal. Let's hope you've got this one right. Um, yeah. The last one standing. Jesus. Uh, if Edinac's there, I'm going for Edinac. I think Big Wesley. I think Big Wesley will be the last one standing. Um, Big Wes and uh, I reckon Conza's got something about him and Emmy Martinez as well. I mean, that's three people, Greg. Give me a chance to pick someone. I'll stick with Big Wes. If we're including coaching staff, I'm going, I'm going Yedinak now. He's back at the club, as I say. He's, he's quite intimidating. But if we're just talking players, I'd say Mings. He's a, he's a man mountain, isn't he, Mings? I wouldn't want to mess with him in, in a fight. I think Mings he could versus take Wes in, in a, uh, in, in a, in a, in yeah, a final I think, duel. I think Mings a tight Wesler. 
personally. Hopefully it well, never I, gets to this done. Yeah, we, we don't want to see many training ground fights, do we? <laughs> if possible, he did chuck in another thing, Jack Miller as well, saying if Dino is in a boxing tournament with the other Premier League managers, on the assumption Sean Dyche wins and Arteta finishes last, where does Smith finish? I mean... <laughs> I'm loving these questions. To Jack be Miller's got some wild ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Full of create creativity and inspiration this morning. Loving that. Um, wow. Uh, Do you think Dyche wins first? Uh, Tough sense of half. Yeah, Dyche can have it. He eats gravel, doesn't he, for uh, for his breakfast? Um, I think Klopp would be up there. You know, a bit of a. I, I don't. I think he'd get annoyed, get angry. It's like, a shame. Bielsa's like so old, isn't it? Else, I'd give him. Else, I'd give him a fair go as well. I look, Dan. I don't know. Dean Smith would probably be somewhere in the middle, wouldn't he? I was thinking. Um, not not too old, not too young. Probably got still got a bit about him. He was a, a tough centre half as a captain when he was younger, so. I presume he can have it if he needs to. <laughs> I think he'd be top five up there with Dyche. I think, as I say, I think Klopp used to be centre half as well, didn't he? I think Klopp could go a bit a bit wild if, if he needed to. The thing is with Bielsa, I think all the managers have so much respect for him. He might end up winning because no one will go near him because they've all got so much respect for him. They probably don't like each other. Certain managers probably don't like each other, but I think they all seem to like Bielsa. So he might win just by virtue of. No one wants to touch him because there's so much respect for him, Greg. We're going to finish with the, the top three that you set me very, very late last night. I was not happy with the the time that this was set. 22.39, I clocked it at. And you tried to set me something at first, which was very unreasonable that I would have had to have done a lot of research for. So in the end, we said... Anyone would think you uh, didn't get paid for this, Dan, and that you, you, know, no, you no, just no, had it's... to come on and talk for half an hour yeah, every you've day? Got to, I mean, when you're recording a podcast at 8.30 in the morning, Greg, you, you need your, your subjects before 20 to 11 at night, I would say. That's, that's down on you. If you were interviewing a footballer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't give him a heads up the, the night before on things, would you? No, but I'd project. I'd expect my producer to know what was happening, and um, uh, sorry, my host to know what was. Uh, <laughs> got some weird looks from the producer. There. <laughs> I'd expect oh, my host to have, uh, to have given me a brief of, of what we were talking about. But again, twenty two thirty nine. No, still nothing re- received. And my high favour was, pl- was playing. Oh, I think you're slacking off, Dan. To be honest, but we'll, 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 we'll digress. We'll move on. Well, I think if you think I'm slacking off, I, I think I've put in a pretty good performance in, in this podcast with, with nothing really in front of me. So I think I think you can give me a little bit of a break. What did we decide on the top three? It was top three that Villa have let go too soon. Yeah, I just thought I thought something a little bit different, and um, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily. Um, it was more of your thoughts, Dan. You know, if ever the, you thought there was a player that. Um, maybe Villa should have kept on for a little bit longer and just just give them more of a go and or maybe you know given the, given them an opportunity in a position that they didn't really necessarily thrive in previously. So any thoughts? Yeah, I didn't go the obvious route. So Mark or Brighton's not in there. That was the example I used to you when you when you set the topic. Mm. Was it? I haven't put him in there because I think at the time I don't think there were too many Villa fans crying over that move. He's gone on to have an exceptional career, but I think. I think he probably needed to move as, as as much as anything, and it's been a great move for him. As much as he's a Villa lad and he loves Villa, he's gone on and had that fantastic time at Leicester, and I'm sure he wouldn't change that for the world. So I haven't put him in there. Number three might surprise you a little bit here. I've actually gone for David James because Villa got rid of him and bought Schmeichel in for a season, and to be honest, that didn't go very well. And then for years, we did we felt like we never really had a, a proper settled goalkeeper. And we had that season after Schmeichel with with Enkelman and Posma that didn't go very well either. And David James played in the Premier League for a long time, played for England for a long time. 
after he left Villa. And I just think if Villa had had David James settle for that that 10 years, I think there's a few times he would have really helped helped them. Even that first season under O'Neill, David James was still a top Premier League goalkeeper. And picking on Scott Carson a bit in this podcast, which I wasn't really expecting, but Villa had Carson for that season. I, I didn't think he was very good. And I think with a better goalkeeper... Villa would have been close to top four in that in that first in that sorry in that second season under O'Neill. So I've got I've gone for David James just because of the longevity he had as a top goalkeeper after he left Villa, and I, I just thought we, I understand why we did it to have Schmeichel for a season, but it didn't really work. No, I think that's fair. It's a good shout. Yeah, there's a few players I umdenard over. This this guy was always going to be in because I, because I loved him. Again, someone we've interviewed on the Athletic fairly recently, Tommy Johnson. And every time I say Brian Little, I don't think I've ever seen him and not mentioned that he sold Tommy Johnson way too early. Brian's justified it by saying he, he wanted him to go and play football. He, he'd been such a good player for him. He wasn't playing. It felt fair that he should go and play football for, for Celtic. But I just think we let him go t- too soon. He was always a good option in, in the front positions, Tommy Johnson, and a great player, player around the place from what Tiles was saying, great person around the place from what Tiles has said to me as well. So I just think we let Tommy Johnson go maybe a year or two too early. He was one of my favourite players at the time and Brian Little really upset me. So yeah, I've gone for him at number two. Number one, he'll be the one I think that everyone would pick is Gary Cahill. Again, at the time, I think you could probably see why Villa let him go. He, he wasn't playing. I think he was fifth choice centre-half at the time. It wasn't like there was top clubs looking out to sign him was there he, he went off and played for Bolton for a few years but again just what he's ended up doing in his career his England caps won the lot at Chelsea really captain Chelsea and I just think Gary Cahill coming through Villa's academy could have gone down as a club legend if he'd stayed at the club he'd probably be in and around the first team now wouldn't he he plays for Palace when he's fit he would have been a, not a bad option for Villa as third or fourth centre half even now I think Gary Cahill that was a real mistake, but by mine O'Neill, wasn't it? Let, letting him go. Yeah, I think that's the one that you know everybody really flags up, isn't it? It's the one real um, frustrating part of of O'Neill's tenure. You know, the fact that they let him, he let Cahill go because we all seen what he went on and did after that. And Gerard Hooley, I actually tried to sign Cahill back. You know, I went over and spoke to Gerard before he before he passed away in in France, and he said that um, if he'd have stayed on for that second season at Villa. Cahill was his first choice transfer target and he believed that he could get him um, and then obviously when Villa uh, you know got back promoted last season um, a couple of seasons ago sorry and and uh, Cahill left Chelsea and went to Crystal Palace Villa were actually in the hunt then but they yeah. decided that he was just a little bit too expensive a little bit too old and and, and they decided to get Condor instead which I think has probably worked out better hasn't it but Totally get your point. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a good shout and certainly one I'd have agreed with. Yeah, there's a few other players that were floating around my mind. It seems to be just people that we've interviewed on the Athletic. To be fair, could Boomer? I was thinking as well because after he left Villa, he actually got himself back playing at PSV and got himself back into the Holland squad. And it felt like Villa never really got the left back position right for the few years after that as well. So Martin O'Neill. I mean, I'm not picking on Martin O'Neill. <laughs> I felt I'm picking on everyone this week. He let Boomer go a bit too soon. In, in my opinion, but yeah, I think they were the they were the main three for me. David Jones perhaps will surprise a few people, but I think I managed to justify it reasonably well. 
Greg, before we depart, anything coming up your end? Any any good pieces coming up? Um, no, just looking forward to the <laughs> no, that's, that's, no good pieces. That's a, that's a good way to lure people in, isn't it? <laughs> Don't worry about our subscription offer. I've Greg's got, got nothing, nothing coming, coming up. man. Um, no, I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday. You know, it's been a while since I've been at a game, so um, hopefully got some exciting planned around that, and then. Um, you know, plenty, plenty moving forward into April. Lots to look forward to there. I like the way you're saying it's been a while since you've been at the game. It's probably been a month. <laughs> Greg, we haven't been to the football for, for over a year, mate. That, that's a while. Um, a, a month's absolutely nothing you can do a month, Greg. Don't worry about that. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to good to get your perspective having been back at the games again and hopefully it won't be too long till we're all at the games again our, ourselves. Thanks ever so much. I've enjoyed the podcast this week. I quite like the mailbag feature. Might, might make, let's make it a regular thing get people to send in questions yeah yeah it's good fun isn't it because you know you find out what you know the other fans are thinking about as well and um yeah no i think that worked well today i enjoyed it yeah i'm off to go and watch the hunger games and find out what that is so yeah we'll be back <laughs> next week let me, let me know when you find yeah, out <laughs> i will as i say i think we completely ruined that question by having no hunger games knowledge so yeah i'll go back and, and, and have a look at uh, what that is thanks ever so much to greg thanks ever so much to everyone for listening as well and for all the support of the show we, we do read the tweets and everything that we really really appreciate we'll be back next week hopefully talking about villa beating fulham have a good weekend up the villa Athletic.